Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. Megan has been on me to take a look at some other sci-fi series. So she has prevailed and we will take up the 11 episodes, I think, of Firefly. It's a little bit different than uh, anything we've done before. Certainly not MCU, Star Trek, Star Wars, or any of those classic science fiction shows. But we're going to give it a shot. It is uh, Western in Space. So I'm really excited to do this series with her. So today, episode 11, a Saffron reappears in the episode Trash. Al's wife, Saffron, makes a reappearance in this episode as she crosses paths with him again, where she has married yet another person. And uh, when she is unmasked as a serial marrier, uh, her next husband leaves her with Mal. But she asks Mal to help her rob a precious antique weapon from a wealthy man. Uh, aboard the Serenity, Mal has to sell this, excuse me, Saffron has to sell this to the crew, which she does. Once uh, they begin the robbery of the rich man, it is revealed that Saffron was married to yet him as well. And although man seems initially oblivious, he is aware of Saffron's true nature and has called the authorities. Mal and Saffron escape, but Saffron betrays Mal, stranding him literally naked in the desert and tries, as she tries to pick up the artifact or the weapon, which is hidden in a trash barrel. However, Inera gets there first, and she leaves Saffron locked up in the trash container for the authorities as the crew escapes with the weapon. And now, Megan Doherty joins us. Megan, if there's one episode that was written for you, I think it was this one. Where do you want to start? <laughs> oh, boy. Let's start with the uh, the opening scene. They pulled one of those uh, cinematic choices where it opens up just at the end. A bunch of things have plainly happened. Hopefully, we're going to get to learn about them. But it is Malcolm Reynolds sitting buck naked in the middle of the desert. Saying that didn't go well. That did not go well. And uh, we learned why it didn't go well very quickly. And I would love to get your impression because the episode after rather shocking opening scene goes directly to Mal on a space station or a moon meeting up with an old buddy, great old friends, having a good time. Oh, my buddy's gotten married. It's wonderful. And who should appear but Mrs. Reynolds? What did you think when Saffron or Bridget or whatever she is actually called came back into the show and into our lives? So I just thought about the poor sap she married, but he was actually <laughs> lucky because he didn't get conned because Mal arrived. <laughs> And he folded up pretty quickly, the putative husband next. I can't say number two because it turns out there's not a number two or there are multiple number twos. Yeah, I knew something untoward was coming and it did. And Mr. Gullible himself, Mal, was there for Saffron. I wondered where she was going to take it. She tried to con him. I shouldn't say that. She tried to sweet talk him right there. <laughs> he left her on the planet, we think. And then they go to the, to back on the Serenity. And we find that, amazingly enough, she's managed to sneak aboard and stow away on the Serenity. And she's got a 
plan, a scam of a plan. <laughs> and she sells Mal on the plan at least enough to get him in front of the crew. And this is where I guess this scene surprised me a little bit because I thought they would have just either shot her out of an airlock, <laughs> put her back in the basket that she stowed away in or something. But uh, but she manages to convince them, at least putatively, that there is an artifact in the form of a ancient gun, or at least a very antique gun, that one someone has on a rich person's planet is the best way I can describe it. Is that an accurate recitation? And what did you see up to that point? I think it was. And I think it was a great description. It was fun. I love when she was describing the weapon that they could steal and all of the resources that she'd assembled, like the, uh, the history of the owner of the gun, the Lassiter, it was called, his schedule, the security codes, all of this information. And the kind of team, the crew is sitting around the table, not entirely over the fact that What's she doing here? <laughs> Why are we even having this conversation? I thought all of it was great. And earlier in the episode, it had been set up that they hadn't had job or income for quite some time. Inara had been complaining to Mal about, we're not near any planets where I can do any business. They were all, I think, probably quite ripe to be dangled this fat, juicy carrot of a very large score. And of course, this leads to another amazing heist planning scene. Lee, I guess the thing that kind of struck me was Jane was Jane. Women. Excited about that gun. <laughs> so excited about that gun. The women were, of course, the most skeptical because they saw through her immediately. And how they have to really hide Simon and River and keep them away from her because the knowledge of them being aboard that ship, she would certainly use not only against them, but to probably sell them to the authorities. But eventually, after a deliciously classic layout <laughs> punch by Zoe, which knocks knocks Saffron out. Had it she, she had that definitely, one coming, for sure. She had, for sure, had that one coming. And I guess Zoe would have been the one to deliver that, as she did. But I thought the planning phase of the heist was pretty delicious because they all really got involved in it. And the plan was pretty cool but the thing that the subplot that was completely unspoken in this episode that intrigued me the most was the planet because it was a waterborne planet and the individuals who lived on there lived in essentially spherical units levitating above the ocean or whatever the water bodies were which recreated and it was all privately owned so it was a rich person's paradise, and Didn't, you got on your deck and you look at the ocean. So for those of us who are landlocked, that's always an intriguing thing to do. Well, it reminded it really, me of, and I can't remember the name of the planet, but where Lando Calrissian lived in the Empire, so like that planet with all the floating kind of habitats. I thought it was, the name is just on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Anyway. That was uh, City of the Clouds. And uh, yep, but th this t to me actually, because they showed the oceans, I thought of really an ecological dimension. Mm -hmm. uh, was there an ecological disaster? As we're recording this, we've recently had the three highest days of temperature in the history of the world. Oh, four. Ever. Four. Number four. And uh, that apparently in the realm of weather is not a good thing. 
One more time, just remember, it's the coolest summer we'll ever have again. <laughs> We're in Texas, so buy more gasoline. The uh, But I just thought that was an intriguing, and I really love that they put that visual out. And it was just two or three shots. It, this was not a, a part of the plot. The water was not a part of the plot. The air was not a part of the plot. The, the suspending planet, the suspended housing units were not a part of the plot. <laughs> But it, I thought it was gorgeous, and I really thought that was a neat addition. But they get in, as Afrin has said, they are able to access the unit where the Lassiter is being held, and then the owner arrives. And what do we find out? He is so happy to find these people in his living room because Mel has brought his wife to him. After years apart, finally they can be reunited. <laughs> Six years of apartness, and this was the love of his life. He professes not only undying love, but he wants to give Mal a, a reward, essentially. Hefty reward. Hefty reward. And so there's some interesting dialogue there. I guess there multiple husbands are, it's a flexible notion. And bigamy doesn't really exist in this part of the West. It's not men needing women, it's women needing more men. We have some really interesting scenes there. The Although he never, it's not that he doesn't understand what is happening. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Because he is so in love with her. And her name then, as he calls her, was Yolanda. So <laughs> she, I'm from Texas and we got lots of Yolandas. And she does not look like a Yolanda. <laughs> Nevertheless, she is Yolanda to him. And... They, their plan of escape, uh, the heist plan was pretty cool, I thought. They were going to dump the gun in a trash, not compactor, but a trash chute, and then intercept the trash being removed and then steal it that way. And so they are able to impact or affect that, and they do so by reprogramming the trash units. And during that reprogramming, Jane is injured and that turns out to be a little bit interesting twist a little bit later. But in some incredibly cheesy fights outside the unit, they do get away. And they go to the rendezvous point with where they're supposed to meet the crew of the Serenity. You want to pick it up there? <laughs> because, of course, Saffron, being Saffron, has intended all the while to double-cross Mal and the team. And happily, this time... Everybody saw it coming. <laughs> after Saffron gets the drop on Mal, removes all of his clothes after what may or may not have been a true confession of vulnerability deep from her heart about her place in the universe and her relationships with men. Anyway, she makes him strip naked, leaves him in the desert, and goes on her own to the location where the trash com- like the trash receptacle had been binned to try and find the Lassiter to sell. When she is digging through the trash, absolutely covered in the filth, not finding anything. She's getting upset. And then comes Inara, who had stormed off earlier, horrified that people were going to be doing business with this duplicitous woman, just looking indescribably gorgeous. The outfit, the makeup, she was perfect. Pointing she's, the gun that they had stolen. She's always perfect. Oh, but this was like particularly indescribably <laughs> gorgeous. Oh, that out just... Anyway, I really like that outfit. <laughs> but yeah, Inara saves the day by rescuing the cargo, getting the goods, and leaving... Saffron in the dumpster for a few hours until she will be picked up by local authorities. The day has been saved, again, by Anara. And we really see the number of cons that were going on. 
plots within uh, throughout plots this within movie, plots. back and forth. So that was pretty cool. Then we go back to the Serenity, and we see in the sick bay, Jane is on the gurney or on the table with his neck restraint or in a neck restraint, which signifies that either he's got a broken back or they think he might have spinal injuries, and he professes not to be able to feel his feet. And once upon a time, I was seriously injured in a bicycle Hummer accident, Hmm. and I remember laying there thinking, okay, let's see if we can wiggle our toes. And so I have some appreciation of what that feels like, at least to the point where I wiggled my toes and I could feel them wiggle. So I took a big sigh of relief. But we had a really interesting dialogue with the doctor. And once again, very short, but really packed a lot into that scene. You want to unpack that scene a little bit? Definitely. Just to add a little more context, in the beginning when River and Simon were starting to hide and Jane was giving them the supplies to keep out of sight while Saffron was about, River basically revealed that she knew Jane was afraid of them and had been since Ariel. And I think that she knew what had happened and I think she let Simon know. So that then when Simon had the opportunity to get Jane on his back on his operating table, I thought it might be a good time to put the fear of God into him. <laughs> Simon had, you say it was a really good speech, and he did talk about, you know, how while you're on this table, while you are my patient, you're going to be completely fine. If you betray us again, please do know that we will absolutely destroy you. And uh, Jane, currently paralyzed, which must have been a temporary medication of some kind to scare him, nodded pretty, pretty in accord. Simon leaves, and then River has the best line in the entire episode. Just comes in, she says, by the way, I could kill you with my brain. (laughs) Jane on the table just, oh my god. That really was. I don't think they're going to have any trouble with Jane from here on out. I think he understands how things go Uh, now. Absolutely. That was true. But the really, what intrigued me was the philosophy of medicine behind that little soliloquy by the doctor and Simon, because that was as close to the perfected Hippocratic oath as you could have which is do no harm and basically he said when you're on this table i will do no harm as much as i may want to (laughs) i really appreciated that tie into hippocrates literally all the way back but the line with river was delicious and it was delivered i don't think she was trying to be evil but it sounded deliciously evil to me Oh, I think I thought it was just this wonderful statement of fact. I found it almost devoid of any emotion. Just, just by the way, in case you didn't know, <laughs> I can kill you with my brain. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Yeah, that that was very cool as well. Let's go back to the opening scene because in doing a little research for this episode, I found out that there is a difference between when men and women do nude scenes. And when a female does a nude scene, the set is closed. But mm-hmm. it is not true when a male does a nude scene. Huh, uh, I didn't know wa- that. <laughs> Neither did I. They can wander in and out. And I thought, <laughs> mm, doesn't well, sound juice, very They fair. deserve a little privacy, too. <laughs> <laughs> because as we all know, or at least listeners of this podcast, and Megan and I know, Saffron did a nude scene a couple of episodes ago. And she did it in front of Mal. And uh, I found that really off-putting when I read that, although apparently he was wearing a modesty patch, so he maintained his modesty. 
I think that's awesome. There's, there's a, an intimacy coordinator I follow on YouTube who has really interesting videos, actually, about how these kinds of scenes are done. <laughs> and there's actually a lot of union rules involving who can be naked under what circumstances. I can't think of the name of the movie, but there was one fabulous scene like that where it's a male disrobed and the female actress was expecting him to have a modesty patch. And as she said, he wasn't feeling very modest that day. And so the reaction of her on camera trying to look away was actually what was going on. And so it added to the entire dynamic. And she kept saying, I'm an actor, I'm an actor, I can do this, I can do this. So, I think everyone uh, should know what to expect going into that kind of situation. Yes, it only seems fair. But this episode, it worked on so many different levels. It worked on the highest level because I thought that was cool. I thought the visuals of the planet were cool. And the, I misspoke. The planet is not completely waterborne because Mal was in the desert. So we had both desert and an oceans. But I love the visual of the floating domiciles above the, above the ocean. And I thought that was incredibly cool. The con was cool because they kept t- turning the tables with on each other. And Saffron is just... She's a complete sociopath. Oh, marvelous I'm glad character. She's, I'm glad she's not a psychopath because then she'd kill everybody, but she just tries to con everybody. And the either poor guy slash lucky guy who is the guy after Mal, he got out, looks like pretty cheap out of this one. All he <laughs> lost was his generational beard. <laughs> I think as a last note on this one, I really liked Inara's role in all of this. Towards the beginning of the episode, she and Mel were having the conversation, and really the relationship between them keeps deepening without anything happening. And I do believe that consciously or not, Mal is trying to keep her away from her work. I think, I think he's jealous. I think uh, you're right. Yeah, and I think, and I don't know if he knows, but I think it's there. And I like that she's frustrated by the situation, and she's frustrated by him, but she's not going to let them get duped either way. So she's going to. I think she orchestrated the whole con within a con, and I just think she's got this role. Uh, as a member of the crew. And so I began to wonder, is he see himself as the big brother here, as opposed to what I'd previously thought was either a former lover or some other platonic relationship that involved a deep emotion. But after this one, I began to wonder, does he just think he's the big brother looking out for little sister? Maybe that's what the top of his brain thinks. But I would not call the feelings he's harboring particularly brotherly. It's not that kind of movie. Okay. Fair enough. On that note, I'm Tom Fox. I'm Megan Doherty. See you next time. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this initial episode of Firefly. And I hope you'll join Megan and I for the entire season of Firefly episodes. Yes, 14 episodes over the next seven weeks. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to visiting with you next time.